Awesome. Way to start our day. Mark's going to come back and play one more song for us today at the end of our time during our offering today. So you want to be uh, ready for that. We just really appreciate you and Nora for coming today. Thanks for being here. And I just want to say a prayer if I can uh, for you guys, but also for us in our service. God, I want to thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to hear from Mark and have him and Nora with us today and just want to pray that they would be blessed by being here as they blessed us and just want to pray for them as they go now and um, I hear a tour all the way up into the northwest and being in schools and public places and being able to have opportunities to represent you Jesus just pray that you would give them courage and strength and protection and watch over them and pick them up when they're feeling that tiredness and fatigue and that you would um, bless them in a way that they can't even imagine right now. Your favor would be poured all over them on this trip. And now, God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us uh, right at the point of our deepest need and longing today. You would help us to understand as we talk about our minds today how powerful they are. And yet, God, you've designed us to function in a way where we place you first in all things. And we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're continuing a series today. We start, I start, got to start two weeks ago. Uh, John last week uh, spoke. We were talking on uh, this idea of reset and uh, coming at this uh, from the perspective of, you know, we're hearing a lot of people that are tired and fatigued and worn out and overloaded and stressed. And so what does the Bible have to say and we're going to take a specific reset moment that I'm going to get to in a little bit. But I want to set us up a little bit today by asking a question. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, you know, you've kind of uh, made a decision that you might have regretted. I hate to bring that up right now. Made a decision that you might have regretted. And you've been in the middle of the circumstances that you uh, are reaping because of that decision. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, what was I thinking? Anybody ever done that? Just what was I thinking, right? So I imagine we all have. They said, he's not right for you, or they might have said, she's not right for you. Don't go there, but you did it anyway, and you ended up in the middle of a relationship, and you're thinking, what was I thinking? They said, 0% down, no payments for 36 months. <laughs> now you're drowning in debt, and you're sitting there thinking, what was I thinking? If you're a student, you're coming up on finals, and you realize that you still have papers to write, you're going to have tests to take, but you saved it all for the last week. And you're going, what was I thinking? They said, it's a deal of a lifetime. Too good to be true. And it was. <laughs> you're going, what was I thinking? So folks, I just want to say today as we start, just to kind of set us up, you don't have to live that kind of life. You really don't have to live a life where you're always looking back and you're always asking, what was I thinking? See, there's already enough unavoidable pain and sadness and discouragement in life. You don't want to add more to it voluntarily by the choices you make. So, you know, I want to say also, what was I thinking is a great question to ask yourself. It really is. What was I thinking? The problem isn't that we ask it. The problem is that we never really get around to answering it. And so we end up in the same situation or same circumstances or difficulties and wishing that we hadn't have done that, asking the same question again, what was I thinking? Now, you've heard the uh, definition of insanity from our folks that are living recovery, 
and they say that insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. That's what many of us do. Same things over and over. And we think it's going to turn out differently this time. So here's the truth we need to embrace. If we think the things we used to think, we'll do the things we used to do. If we think the things we used to think, we'll do the things we used to do. So we need to change our thinking. So I'm going to invite everyone, if you'd grab your message notes out of your program. They look like this, and they're going to have all the Bible verses we'll use today will be there. You can follow along. Also, in your Bible, you can open to Mark chapter 12. That'd be a good place to start today, even though we're going to cover several different passages today as we talk about this idea of mind. And we're in this series called Reset, and the basis of the series is an encounter that Jesus Christ had with a man, a religious man in his day. And he came to Jesus, and he asked him this question. He says, Jesus, which is the most important commandment? We said two weeks ago, they had developed 613 different commandments that you were required to keep. And so he's you know, fatigued from trying to figure this all out. He wants to do the right thing. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, which is the most important commandment that I keep? And this is what Jesus says in Mark 12. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and the second, so he asked for one, but he got a twofer here, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says then, no other commandment is greater than these. So that was a reset moment for this man. It was a total reset moment, and it's my prayer that it will be for all of us as well, because as we come to Jesus and we say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm overwhelmed, I'm fatigued, I'm worn out, I'm overloaded, I'm disappointed with the life that I'm living. And we come to Jesus and, and he doesn't ridicule us or he doesn't put us down or berate us for being there in that place. But we come to him and we say, Jesus, I want to know, please tell me what's the most important thing because I only have this one and only life that I get to live, this only one and only life. And I want to know, Jesus, what's the wise thing for me to do? What's most important to, me, to you, Jesus? And Jesus would say to every one of us today, he would say, here's the most important thing, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he said, that's it. And he wants to give us a reset. And he wants us to ask, he wants to ask the question, what am I living my life for? Am I really loving God with all the resources I have? Am I loving God with my heart, mind, soul, and strength? Am I loving my neighbors, myself? Well, that's what this series is all about. We're just kind of taking it piece by piece. Uh, we've looked at heart and we've looked at soul. And today we look at mind as we talk about this. And these aren't three separate things, as Pastor John talked about last week. They all go into the mix of the smoothie of life, as he said. They all go into that mix to love the, God, the Lord God in that way. So what we're going to do is we want to take that call. This is called the great commandment. We want to live the great commandment in our lives. So we talk about reset. The idea of reset is to set again or differently. To set again or differently, it means to shift back to look forward. Shift back to look forward. So maybe you know that the path that's best for you, and that somewhere along the line you've gotten off course. Well, today's the time to make a reset. 
Maybe you're someone who's felt the pain that goes with the question, what was I thinking? Well, today is the day for a reset. Maybe you're saying today, you know, I really want to do things differently. Well, if that's you, I just want to say, if you'll pay attention today, we're going to give some steps, some thoughts about resetting your mind so that you really will make different choices in the future. Instead of responding the way you always have, instead of sending up in that place where you're asking the question, how did I get here? Why didn't I listen to what I knew? Instead of asking those questions, what I hope is, is that we'll decide that we're going to live life the way that God's called us to do. Now, I mentioned some books a couple of weeks ago. I want to mention them again because we sold out the first week. I can really tell how much we need this series, okay? We sold out on the first week, but there's three books I want to mention today. This is called Recess, where I get the idea for the series. The subtitle is this, Living a Grace-Paced Life in a Burnout Culture. Isn't that just inviting? So this is for men. So this will be primarily for men. And this book is, it has a whole garage motif, so it really relates to men and the things we deal with. And then this one's called Refresh, and this is for ladies. And the subtitle of this is the same thing, Experiencing a Grace-Paced Life in a World of endless demands, a world of endless demands. And this will speak right to women and to some of the things that they struggle with and deal with in balance. And then the last one was Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. This is a book that was done from his teachings. He's passed away, no longer living, but it was put together from his teachings on the 23rd Psalm. And I want to read a couple of quotes from this book just to get us warmed up today. And here they are. The first is from Dallas Willard. He says, the mind and what we turn our minds to is the key to our lives. It's the key to our lives. And then he says this next. He says, your primary contact with God is through your mind. And what you do with your mind is the most important choice you make. What you do with your mind. Your primary contact is through your mind. Not through your feelings. Not through your feelings, but through your mind. Another famous doctor said this about our minds. He says this. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You steer yourself in any direction you choose. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. what we want to talk about. So what we going to do is to talk about how to get the most out of our mind and how to reset our thoughts. And so I want to sh share the first thing. we got three ideas today. The first is this. If I'm going to reset my mind, I have to renew my mind. If I'm going to reset my thoughts, I mean, we're going to have to renew my mind. Some of those powerful verses in the Bible are found in Romans 12. Uh, you've heard us teach from these uh, many times in the life of our church. And Paul's writing to those who are followers of Jesus. So we understand that the, these are for followers of Jesus. So if you're not... These are really not for you, uh, but you would just say, this is, if I was a follower of Jesus, this is what Paul would want from me. But for those of us who are, this is what Paul would say is important to us. And he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be able to understand that. So what Paul is saying here, he's just giving us a word of advice, a word of warning, actually, where he's saying there are forces in this world, and the forces of this, there are these forces that are in this world, that their purpose is to shape us. Purpose is to shape us. This world is one of the forces, and what he says is this world wants to conform us so that we look like it. Conform us so that we look like it. And the other force is God's Holy Spirit. And God's Holy Spirit wants to transform us so that we look like Jesus Christ. And what Paul is doing here is he's warning us and he's saying this, don't be conformed by this world or don't let the world that's around you squeeze you 
into its mold. So folks, according to this, our culture is a powerful force in life. It's a powerful force. It has the agenda, first, the agenda, and the power to carry out that agenda. And our culture, the world, as he uses here, its purpose is to conform us into its way of thinking. Its way of thinking. Now, that word conform is like uh, when you want to make, let's just say you're going to make some Christmas cookies, and you roll out your dough, and you're trying not to eat it because you know that's not healthy, and you're rolling it out, and, you're, and then you get your cutters, and you say you're going to make a you know, shape, and you press down, and you pull it up, and you've, what's left is a form, and it was conformed to the pattern that you're using. It's conformed to that pattern. So when we're saying this, it's all about conforming that happens from the outside that changes the way something looks. It's an outside force that comes against us. So the word transform, on the other hand, is a totally different picture. The word transform is a metamorphosis that happens, that happens from the inside out. From the inside out, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in me so that I'm transformed from the inside, slowly a metamorphosis happens so that I look and end up looking like Jesus Christ. And that's the goal that God has for us. And Paul points out that transformation happens with a renewed mind. And I would just say the opposite would be true, that confirmation or conforming happens to us when we check out with our minds. When we don't use our minds, we don't allow our minds to be renewed. We cannot neglect our minds, folks. We must be doing the work that's necessary for God to change the way we think. So I have to ask God, God, will you, Holy Spirit, will you come into me and you will change the way I think so that over time I'm slowly transformed to look like Jesus Christ. Some of you get frustrated because you want it to happen today, but it's an overtime deal. It's a process that he takes us through to look like Jesus. Second idea is this. If I'm going to reset my thoughts, I need to monitor my mind. So first, I need to renew my mind. We'll talk about that in just a little bit about uh, more and what that looks like. But I have to monitor my mind because it's important. If there's a force that's against me, that's pressing down on me from the outside to conform me into its image, then I need to monitor what's coming into my mind that's designed to force me to, be, to look like that. I need to monitor my thoughts that run naturally through my mind that lead me to outcomes that I regret and lead me to this place where I'm looking back asking the question, what was I thinking? So I want to capture those thoughts before they become actions and therefore have different outcomes. So here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. Apostle Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he says this, and he's using very strong language here. You know, this is, this is construction site language. Uh, this is, you know, that when I'm going to take something down and I'm going to come at it in a strong way. He says, we demolish. We demolish. That's a strong word. You've seen buildings that get demolished, so we come against something to make it different. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So we have to monitor our thoughts. Am I being conformed by thoughts that go against the knowledge of God? And we then take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take it captive. So we're saying is our thoughts, they have a power of their own, and we must corral them, we must capture them, and we must hold them down. 
What Paul's saying is, he's saying, don't listen to, don't let thoughts that go against the natural laws of God, that go against the natural laws of God and knowledge of him, don't let them wander around in your head. Just don't let them. Capture them. Don't let them lead you down a path that goes against what God has said because you will always end up regretting your choice if you do that and you will end up asking again, what was I thinking? Instead, he says, take your thoughts captive. Not only make them captive, to make them take them captive, but then make them obedient to Christ so they come underneath his, the umbrella of his authority so that I'm saying that Jesus, that you now, you call the shots in my life and I'm going to make every thought obedient to you. See, folks, we have a world that's in chaos right now. Have you noticed that? Anybody notice that? It's in chaos because the people of this world the culture is conforming the people of this world to believe that if you think it or feel it, it must be right. If you from the inside think it or feel it, it must be right apart from any moral rule book, apart from any knowledge that God might be speaking. But this is what the Bible says. So that's the way the culture thinks, and it wants us to get us to think that. It's okay what you think. It's okay what you feel. Just act on it because that's the way we are as human beings. Don't bother with what God might say or the Bible might say. Well, look at this word of warning from John, uh, 1 John 2. 1 John 2 says this. So it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. So this, okay, here's the, there's that force coming against you. And when you love it, it's going to be in your mind, and it's going to change you. It's going to conform you, so you need to not love it. You need to not pursue it. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, he's got some strong language here. And I'm just going to kind of walk through three of the statements that he made, three philosophies that the world would have that you can find in these verses right here. And the first one is this. He says, the lust of the flesh. So beware of the lust of the flesh. Now, what the lust of the flesh is, this is the distorted view of what God intended when he gave us sexuality. It's a distorted view of what God intended when he gave us sexuality. It's a distortion of God's view of human sexuality where the view is that free sex with anyone I choose in any form I choose has become the great commandment of our age. It's become the great commandment of our culture. He says, beware of the lust of the flesh, that my sexual desire or my identity is the most important aspect of who I am. That's the leading philosophy in our world today leading philosophy. All the cultural change we're seeing happens from this philosophy. My sexual desire or identity is the most important aspect of who I am, and I have to exercise it. Second is this, the lust of the eyes. So the lust of the eyes is the distorted view of self. I mean, stuff, distorted view of stuff. It's the idea that things are the most important determination of who I am. My value comes from the things that I have. That the accumulation of stuff makes me valuable and makes me important. The world wants us to believe that prosperity is the pathway to fulfillment. So this is the, most of the marketing in our world today is to get us to buy into the lust of the flesh, that we would somehow have this or 
attain this, the stuff that would make us somebody and make us have fulfillment. Even followers of Jesus, folks, I'll just give a word of warning here. Followers of Jesus get this deceived. And I can't tell you, there's a lot of folks that uh, followers of Jesus are following today because they are talking about the prosperity that you can experience if you'll follow them, that you're missing out. They have some secret knowledge. It's called Gnosticism. Some secret way that you can gain prosperity or you can gain fulfillment. You just got to be aware of that. Beware that a lot of even followers of Jesus who think they're following God are following prophets or apostles who are leading them down the pathway of prosperity theology, and it's going to end up leaving them empty and far from away, far from God. And then lastly is the pride of life. The pride of life is the distorted view of achievement. So it's the distorted view of achievement. God wired us and designed us to uh, achieve mentally and physically in life, and the world twists it so that what we believe is that we become what we pursue. We become what we pursue, so we end up with the pride of life. So I just, I just want to say this. Whenever you have a thought that is contrary to the character and nature of God, what Paul says back to 2 Corinthians, capture it, wrestle it, pin it to the mat, and don't let it up. Don't let it up because it, has not, it does not have your best interest in mind. It actually has the interest in mind to con conform you not transform you to be like Christ, not transform you. Third idea is this. If you're going to reset your thoughts, you have to focus your mind. You have to focus your mind. You have to feed your mind life-giving thoughts. This is the part that I've just been eager to get to today, that we can do this together. We can think about this. It's been the most impactful for me as I've been studying. First thing Paul says in Colossians 3 about this, he says, set your minds on things above not on earthly things. So now I'm going to set my mind. If, if I'm transformed by the Holy Spirit and God's word and what God says, so I'm going to set my mind on things that transform me, and I'm not going to set my mind on things that are designed to conform me. Lust of the flesh, uh, and then we've talked about the, the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Okay, So God is saying, if you're going to reset your thoughts, you need to set them on my kingdom. And that's what Jesus was saying when he says, this is the greatest commandment. Take your eyes off of what you're doing to earn favor with God and put your eyes on my kingdom, Jesus says. So folks, I just say, you cannot change yourself by saying, I'm going to stop doing this. You can't. You, you, can't you, you can't come in at that. You cannot stop thinking wrong thoughts by trying harder not to think them. Right? What happens? You start thinking, I've got to stop this, I've got to stop this. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about the thing you want to stop. You're obsessing over it. But you can do something else. You can set your mind. Instead of focusing on what I want to change or focus on pushing the thoughts away that I don't want, you can instead focus on thoughts that will transform your mind and your feelings and your actions. So you put your focus on higher things than what everyone else might be settling for to set my mind on what God says, it's the most important thing for my life. And it's not based on the opinions, it's not based on the whims, and it's not based on what my culture says are most important. So I have to set my mind on hims, him and things that matter to him most. And so I want to give you these, uh, one verse, one verse from Philippians 4, which talks about how to set our minds on things above. And I believe that as you set your things, mind on things above, it will truly transform you. It will transform you. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So here's the deal. This is gonna, yeah, you're going to be blown away by my wisdom here. Here's the deal. Okay? You tend to see what you're looking for. You tend to see what you're looking for. And so I'm going to talk about what God wants us to be looking for so that we see it and we allow it to transform us. I want to give you this quote, though, from Archibald Hart. He's talking about the law of cognition here, which basically says you are what you think, you become what you focus on, kind of what I just said there. But here's what he says. He says, research has shown that one's thought life influences every aspect of one's being. Kind people are simply the type of people who habitually think kind thoughts. Pretty amazing, right? Angry people are simply the kind of people who habitually tend to think about thoughts that bring resentment and hostility. So he's saying what you focus on is who you become. He's clear about that. So Paul gives us this list. I know some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, this is long. We're going to be here all day, right? Uh, no, it's going to be brief because you get to work on this yourself. Okay, so here we go. Paul says to think, I'm just going to give you the list right from 4.8. First of all, and I'm going to just talk a little bit about each one. First, think about whatever is true. Think about what is true. This means I have to think about truth as a fact. That there's objective truth. There really is. And our you know, postmodern age, there really is objective truth. And this is why you know, people want to take the Bible out of everything because the Bible is objective truth. God's truth for us. So I think about what is true. I meditate on God's truth. Second, think about what is noble. You might write honorable there too. Noble or honorable. So you know, we could spend an entire series. You know, we, in, uh, not long ago, we did a series and we walked through what it means to respect others. And several weeks we talked about that. But we could come back and do a whole other series again about what it means to honor and respect. Because we live in an age of disrespect. And you know what? Followers of Jesus, we're guilty of this just as much as non-followers of Jesus. Uh, disrespect in the way we talk about people, in the way that we focus on the faults in others. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday um, or read much about Barbara Bush, who um, died, and she, her funeral was yesterday. And um, there was so much said about Barbara Bush. And one of the things that is spoken about her the most that I was able to see is that she was a woman of honor. And she brought honor to the office of presidency. And then, uh, you know, she was the wife of a president, the mother of a president. And that she just carried herself with an air that she was noble. And so what God says is, he says, focus on things of honor. And one of the ways that she did that, and one of the ways that we can do that, is to treat everyone you meet as if they are the most important person in your life. Treat everyone you meet as if they're the most important person. Learn to see the best in others. Next, he says, think about what is right. So this would be just. So this is where we, the justice uh, comes in as we think about being people that bring justice into our world. Uh, and so if, if it's not right, it's not good. Just know that. If there's not justice, it's not good for others. So we focus on what God says brings justice. Next, think about what is pure. And so another way to say that is to be innocent. Think about what is innocent. And so I would just say, this is one of the reasons I believe God's heart breaks for our world today, uh, that we have lost our innocence. Now, some would say we never had it. I probably would agree that there's always been pockets of society where there was a loss of innocence because of the depravity of human beings and 
because of sin and because of conformity. Uh, but because of uh, the proliferation of uh, the internet and media and exposure we have to the, the more and more depraved things than some of us could have ever imagined we would ever see, uh, because of that proliferation today, we are at a point, I think, of crisis point of losing the innocence of our culture, of our young people. Um, because, you know, basically the reason this is so important to me is because what I see is I see adults are so concerned to, to keep their own rights in place that they don't care how keeping their own rights impact children. And we, we have to be people who say we're going to focus on innocence. See, we're robbing our children of innocence. In doing so, we're robbing our culture of innocence and ourselves as well. Think about what is lovely. So now I, I love that Mark uh, Cruz was talking a while ago about uh, the, the beauty of creation and how the beauty of creation inspires us. He told us last time he was here uh, that you guys were here in July. And when he came in July, you guys know what? We're the golden state because it's all dead in July, right? Everything's dead. Uh, did you know that's why we're called the golden state, by the way? Yeah, because everything's dead. <laughs> it's not because of the gold. It's because of all the golden grass that's everywhere. Uh, and so then he said, this year, though, coming down over from Reno and coming down the hill, it's just beautiful. I'm like, this is the perfect time to be here. It really is. That's what all real estate agents, they love this time of year, right? You can show people the beauty of what is here. And so one of the wonderful things about creation uh, is that uh, God is, even though creation is broken, right? I'll just say that. Creation is broken, and we have a remnant of what it was in the Garden of Eden. It's still so cotton-picking beautiful that it wows us. And so we just spending time in the beauty of creation can change the way you're thinking. Think about what is admirable. So this would be what is worthy or commendable, uh, worthy of recognition, that which is of good repute, reputation, those kinds of things. So instead of thinking about you know, the negative about things, I'm going to think about things that are admirable. Think about what is excellent. This means moral virtue, uh, that which is consistent with God's character, that's those kinds of things. And then lastly, this will surprise you, think about what is awesome. I told you I was going to use word for word. I just thought awesome. I'd throw you for a loop here. Uh, that this is the best word I can think of about what is praiseworthy. What is awesome? You know, I just look at what God's made. I look at what God is doing. I look at the way I want to praise him for the way he's acting in my life, what he's doing in your life. And I just want to say, God, you are awesome. You are so good. I know you guys have heard about Tammy Jo Schultz and landing the Southwest Airlines jet this week with a hole in the window and, uh, and how calm she was. Kim's going to talk a lot more about this on Mother's Day as she talks about the power of women. And so when she was uh, landing, after she landed the plane, and I, I listened to the 20-minute dialogue between her and the tower uh, uh, as how calm she was this whole time. When she landed, one of her friends had texted her to say that she was praying for her, and Tammy Jo texted her right back, and these were the words she said, God is good. God is good. So what she's doing, she said, God is awesome. She gave praise to God for what he had done to allow her. She regretted the loss of one life. She made that so clear about the grief of the family. And in her heart, she would have done everything she could, but she saved the rest of the lives. And she says, God is good that he did that. And when we celebrate what is good, we're able to see him in our lives no matter what our circumstances are. We see his goodness and even the most difficult and challenging things that we face. So that's what we do. We focus our mind 
on the things above, take our minds off of the things below, the things that want to conform us, put our eyes on the things above that God wants to use to transform us, and it changes not only the way we think, but it changes the way we feel, which then changes the way we act, which then changes the way we continue to, the, the habits that we make, which then will change our destiny when we change the way we think. Now look at what it says there from uh, Philippians 4, 9, and I'll just close with this. Paul says this, as he's listed this, and he's talked about all the things, he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So what I just want to encourage you today, there's a list of eight things. I think the last one, we'll just say, the last one, God would get praise in all of these. So there's really seven. So we just look at this, and you say, which of these do I want to think about tomorrow? I have seven days this week. Which of these do I want to say? And just go through the list and say, I'm going to focus on truth. I'm going to focus on what is right. I'm going to focus on what is noble, what is honorable. And just think about that this week and use this list. Ask God to use this to change the way you think, to transform your heart, so that then it actually changes your feelings, folks. This is huge. It changes your feelings. Because we base our life so much on our feelings but God says, if you'll just think correctly, your feelings will follow. Your feelings will be there. Okay, why don't you bow your heads and we'll close in a prayer. God, I want to thank you for the opportunity we've had to hear from you today and the power of your word. And Lord, I've been so challenged in this. And you've, I've already gotten to exercise this week. I've chosen to choose these words and to focus on them in my day. And I've seen it change my attitude. I've seen it change my perspective. I've seen it change my feelings. Uh, just alter me. Uh, and there's so much power when we put our minds in gear. And we're not mindless, but we're mindful of what you say. And so I pray that you would give us all strength and courage. I pray that some of us today, we need to wrestle with our thoughts. We, we're, we're living by some thoughts right now. That we know what God would say, this is not best for you. This is not best for you. In fact, it goes against everything I would say to you. Some of us today, we need to ask for the power by Holy Spirit to wrestle those thoughts to the mat. Ask God to pin them down, to chain them down, so that we can live by the thoughts that he gives us that bring us life. And God, I pray that you would help to renew our minds. And we love you, and we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so grab your connection card, and we mentioned this a while earlier, and this is how we respond. And just take a few minutes, and you can write prayer requests there. You can respond. You can take next steps. Love to have you do that. Our ushers are moving into place because they're going to pass around offering baskets. We're going to receive our offering. And if you're a guest, we just ask you not to feel obligated. Just help us by passing the baskets. You can give us our card so we can write you a note this week to thank you for being here. And the beauty of this today is we, during our offering time, we get to hear Mark one more time. And so I'm just going to invite him on out, and um, he'll go ahead and play for our offering.
right, thank you, Mark. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. So he's going to go outside. He has a table set up with some of his CDs there. If you want to stop by and talk with and visit with him, I think Nora's going to go out there as well. They're going to slip out right now while we close. And so if you want to stop, they're right out here. There's a table in the lobby if you want to stop there. If you're a guest, I want to make sure you stop by our Welcome Center. We have a gift we want to give you today. Next week, we get to talk about uh, another step in this reset. We're going to take the strength part uh, before we then get into all the relationship part for the rest of the series. But next week, we'll talk about power and resetting the power that God wants to reset in our lives. So I'm going to invite everyone, if you would stand. I want to pray, but if you want prayer, I just invite you to slip over here. We have some folks that love to pray for you. So while I'm praying, after the service, come over here. They'd love to pray for you today while you're here uh, with us. God, I want to thank you so much. And I, I just want to pray for me, just myself, just that yeah, you help me this week with my mind. My mind can just, just get so crazy sometimes. And so discombobulated, thinking about all the stuff in the world and my life. And so I just pray that you would help me to keep my mind in focus on you. And that you would transform me again and again this week. And for each of us, I pray that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.